Well, hey, everybody, this is the podcast Think Global, and uh, on Think Global, uh, the world is our home, and strangers, they become friends, and friends become family. My name is Tim Davis, and I am your host and my co-host again this season, John Smith. How are you doing, John? Wow, I'm great, and I'm so glad to be back for another season. Thanks for inviting me back. Oh. Like, did I have a choice on that? No, you didn't. All right. No, man. Like, we're like, uh, we're like Batman and Robin. We're like peanut butter and jelly. We're stuck together for life. Oh, dear. How's that? It's good, eh? Yeah. All right. So here we are. It's uh, January 2022. I can't believe it. Yeah. We took off, uh, let's see. What did we, we, we missed December. We skipped the month of December. Yep. And uh, so since then, I mean, we've, We've done a lot, John. I mean, we've celebrated Christmas. I don't know. Where, yeah. did, you, where did you celebrate Christmas? Uh, took a road trip to Alabama. So drove from here in Colorado to Alabama. And how long does that take? Uh, about 24 hours in the car. That's a long haul. So a little pit stop in St. Louis. Yep. And then on south through Nashville and down to Alabama. All right. That's good. And my family all came in for Christmas, so that was kind of cool. Oh, nice. Uh, they did the road tripping, and we just stayed there and entertained, so that was kind of fun, oh. fun for us. A oh. lot of grandkids, though, man. Nine <laughs> grandchildren. Oh, you had a full house. The house was full. There was food all over the place. I mean, as in, like, pre-eaten, like, not food all over the place, like it was everywhere after they finished, but... Well, that's um, what I was thinking. With grandkids, they're just throwing yeah. food well, all over that, your house. Yeah, that kind of happened, too, but that's all right, man. <laughs> when you love them, it doesn't matter. Anyway, had a lot of fun, and here we are. We celebrated New Year's, and we're now in 2022, which is hard to believe. Uh, time fa- uh, goes by so quickly; it's yeah. fast. Um, well, let, let's let's tell everybody about our exciting news, man. It's so <laughs> I'll exciting. Let, I'll let you go first. Yeah, well, as everybody knows out there, uh, you know, COVID continued to to make its rounds, and uh, John was the first of these uh, of this two to uh, go through it. You, you had it just before Christmas. Yeah, my last day of quarantine was Christmas Day. And so wow. that's actually postponed our Christmas plans. We ended up leaving after that. We had planned to leave before that. But yeah, but yeah quarantine from the 15th through the 25th. All right. Not, not terrible of an experience, but what about you? Yeah, well, um, I'm just like a day number 12, I think, uh, after uh, testing positive. And um, not as easy as I thought it would be. Um, you know, Omicron is supposed to be fairly easy. I don't know if I had a different uh, strain of this thing, but it's a little bit more challenging than I thought. And, yeah. you know, so still trying to get over it, uh, trying to get some energy back, fighting through it. Yeah. It's no joke. My, my wife's the same. She's on day 12, just like you guys got it almost the same yeah, time. Yeah. And she has been down for the count. So, yeah. For, so for those struggling with it, um, it's not for the faint of heart. No. It's a tough deal. So no. anyway, glad you're feeling better. Yeah, you too, man. And we Thanks. hope if you do have it out there that it's the milder version, yeah. not the cruddy version. Yeah. It was cruddy version. So here we are. All right. Is that our excuse for being just a little bit late this month? Yeah, it is. It, actually, it is because yeah. I was out of the office last week, so yeah. there was no way to do this. Yeah. But, but our um, plan is still first Tuesday of every month is when yes. we have new episodes. And so uh, don't be discouraged by this month. We will be right back on track. Yes, that's right? the plan. That's okay. the plan. All right. Anyway, let's tell them what we're going to do this uh, this year. Uh, we're going to do some like uh, mini series of yeah. uh, looking at particular countries. And like, what, what spurs that on, John? Like, uh, let's talk about that for a moment. Well, I don't know what spurs it on, but I'm really excited about this first, I think we're doing a three-month miniseries kind of 
pilot it, see how it goes. Maybe we'll extend it if it's if if we have a lot of fun. But I'm really excited about it because what we're doing is we're looking at a lot of countries around the world and we're going to look at some aspects of those countries that most people don't think about. Just right. stuff that's maybe in the background or not your for forethought of of what comes to mind when you think of that country and try to look beneath the surface a little bit. Right. I love this kind of stuff oh, yeah. because yeah, it just opens your eyes to a new facet of a country and a, and a new appreciation for that country right. and the people of that country. Yeah. yeah, I think the danger is we know we know uh, countries exist, but we know nothing about them. Right. And actually, um, to know more about the country uh, opens our eyes to the people of that country. Yeah. And uh, and people are tied to their country. I remember back. Oh my goodness, it was been the nineties. Uh, we were about to take a trip. And um, our neighbors asked us where we were traveling. We said to Mongolia, and they said something like, oh, that's really great, man. must be fun to travel to Mongolia. And then all of a sudden, it was like, well, where is Mongolia? Yeah. You know, they had no clue. <laughs> they knew nothing about Mongolia. And uh, that's our loss. Um, yeah. To know, to know a country and to know its people is to know more about the world where we live. And so, yeah. anyway, today we're going to start with the country of Tunisia. That's awesome. Tunisia. So, like, you know, first of all, we should, need to, should ask people, like, do you even know where Tunisia is? That's what I was going to say. What percentage of people know where Tunisia is? Yeah. So, John, where is Tunisia? Well, it's the northernmost country of Africa. Yeah. It's right. You know, so if you look, a lot of people might know where Morocco is, right? Yeah. Maybe Algeria. If you kind of look at those and go right just a little yeah. bit, you find Tunisia. Yeah. It is uh, actually bordered by Algeria and Libya. And uh, to the north, the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Thus, you know, uh, you know, folks. If you just do a little bit of a, a Google search on um, Tunisia, you'll notice that um, a lot of their buildings, their homes, are white, and there's a beautiful Mered- uh, Mediterranean blue on their shutters and their doors. And um, actually, it's a spectacular. A little bit look, looks a little bit like Greece. Yeah. And um, there, there's a. Uh... There's a commercial on TV right now. I think it's for a, a retirement company, you know, where they talk about financial health or retirement or whatever. And there's an older couple. And I think they're walking through the streets of Tunisia. It's that look. It's that yeah, white yeah. building. I guess it could be Greece because it's a similar look. Yeah. But every time I see that commercial, I think it's Tunisia. Yeah. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. If they are highlighting Tunisia in that commercial, I think it's really cool. That's, that is great. And, you know, and again, that's the beauty of the country, right? Yeah. So you, in the north, you've got the uh, Mediterranean. In the south, you've got the uh, Sahara. You've got the desert. Mm-hmm. And so it's really kind of a cool country in the sense of how it is um, geographically placed and how it um, it's surrounded by such a diversity of um, of landmass, of water, of desert. It's just really a, a fascinating country mm-hmm. for that reason. All right, let's just talk about some of the basics of uh, Tunisia, John. Um, first of all, how many people live there? Uh, almost 12 million people right. live in the country of Tunisia, which I'm no mathematician and I'm no... Uh, Whatever you would call it, but that's that's I did a little, I did a little bit of research. All right, I know that's shocking, but I know you did. <laughs> but that's like New York City and L.A. So if you think if you want to think about it that way, I like to think of things in ways that people can get their minds around. Mm-hmm. So you think New York City and L.A. about eight million in New York, about four million in L.A. Add that together, and you have the whole country of Tunisia. Right, and uh, Tunisia. Um, one of the reasons you might know this, uh, might know about Tunisia, because you know about the Arab Spring. But this this comes, I think, also um, as a as a surprise to a lot of people. But 
the Arab Spring, if people remember that, back uh, a little over a decade ago, uh, the Arab Spring swept across the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, it ended up uh, changing governments, toppling um, dictatorships, um, people uh, were run out of office, uh, so many crazy events um, associated with the Arab Spring. And little did we know that the Arab Spring began in Tunisia. Mm -hmm. um, a man who, a young man, in fact, who ran a, um, a fruit stand, had that fruit stand confisc uh, confiscated by the authorities. Um, he felt the injustice of it. He went through the system trying to get it returned because that was his livelihood, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it didn't happen. And in protest, he took his life mm. by pouring gasoline on his body and lighting it on fire. And um, and also through Facebook, that went out. Yep. And the population saw the injustice of the moment. And from that one man's life, the nations of that part of the world was set on fire. And uh, so much change uh, came about. And so that's actually Tunisia. Yeah. That's the country we're talking about. By the way, you've been there. I've been there. Uh, the people of Tunisia. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. yeah just a hospitable, kind, just a, just a great culture. Yeah. And we have friends who live there, and uh, our friends feel very welcomed, very loved. Um, I've met with um, landlords of the people that uh, our friends uh, rent from, and they treat them like family. Yeah. And when you visit them, uh, those landlords treat you well, and they serve you, and they want to care for you. So uh, we can't say enough positive about the people of Tunisia. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah. from a landmark standpoint, the northernmost tip of Africa is in Tunisia. And so that's fun to go to. Have you been there? Uh, I have not. Oh, you should go there. It's the windiest, possibly most miserable place I've been. <laughs> wow. So it was really, really windy, but you're right there. I mean, you're like on these cliffs on the edge of Africa. Like literally, if you fell off these cliffs, it'd be a really bad situation. Yeah. But you're you're on. You can tell you're on the edge of Africa. That's looking cool. out into the sea and the wind. The day that I was there, the yeah. wind was probably blowing forty to fifty miles per yeah. hour, and I mean, wow. unbelievable. Salt water spraying everywhere. That's kind of cool. It was I can very, almost picture that in my mind. It was very cool. And now that you say that, I mean, we're going to tell people everything about Tunisia here. There's so much to know, but might as well. After you bring that up, uh, I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but Star Wars, oh yes, was filmed in Tunisia, uh, in the desert, and I was just there in November. Yeah, and in fact, are we, can we do that on the a podcast like this somehow? If they're watching this on YouTube, that we can have a little picture, sure, that we insert here. We'll figure that out. We'll figure it out, man. <laughs> And we'll make sure our team gets a picture. But it's really cool. Like, yeah. um, there you are standing on this set, and you remember it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really awesome because, you know, your mind goes back to Star Wars huh. and all that took place in that uh, setting. So that was a lot of fun. But that's down in the desert, hmm. um, really south, uh, really far south yeah. of what you just described. Yeah, so. if I was at the northernmost tip. That you were in the southern in the part. Southern, yeah, yeah that's the awesome. desert. Yeah, the des desert, by the way, is massive, and uh, it is significant. All right, let's talk about a, a couple of, of the uh, the produce that they have yeah. in that country. This is the part I'm excited about, because you wouldn't know this about Tunisia 
necessarily. Maybe some right. would, and they think, oh, everybody knows that. Well, I didn't know it. How about right. that? Right. I, and I think this stuff is fascinating. Yeah. Dude, I did not know it either until my handy assistant looked it up for me. <laughs> but um, so let me let me describe this for our, our listeners, and that is that back in November when I was there, we took a um, a long eight hour, nine hour road trip from Tunis down to a, a little. Um, Oasis by the name of Tozer uh, in the uh, the desert and um, and along the way, uh, literally, I'm just telling you, man, I've never seen this many olive trees in all of my life. Wow! Like uh, you could, and they were actually uh, accurately lined up, and you could it felt like you could see mile after mile after mile of lines and rows of olive trees. Wow! Uh, surrounded by the red dirt. Um, Almost like this mixture of uh, uh, sand and really rich dirt where these olive trees were growing. And I remember thinking there has to be millions of olive trees in this country. And uh, again, uh, my good assistant looked this up and I'm going to look at it because this is actually kind of staggering. Yeah. But um, in Tunisia, they have over 82 million olive trees. That's like amazing, which is crazy when you think about it. Because it's not a big country. No, it's a small country. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't have stats on the landmass. You can look it up on the map for those at home, but you can see it's not a big country. So right. you think 82 million olive trees. Oh, yeah. And let me let me try to describe this for those of you who are out there. Like, as we were driving along, uh, John, there, um, you would see, again, these millions of olive trees on both sides of the road, on the, both sides of the highway. Um, and almost perfectly lined up. So you could just see row after row after row. And, you know, the immediate question is, how in the world do they harvest them suckers? Right. Like I 82 like, million trees. I'd like to know the answer to that. Well, I, I still want to know the answer because what we saw along the way was, you know, nets around one tree, uh-huh. like one out of 82 million tree, like a net around the tree, and like a family pulls up in a truck. That's what it looked like, right? Yeah. And everybody's either... Uh, bringing these olives together, or someone is up in the trees via ladders, almost like like one tree at a time. They're going to get picked, wow. and it was the harvest season for those olives in November. And so wow. you would see uh, one tree being harvested, then you know down the road a little bit further, another tree being harvested, and another tree being harvested. But the crazy thing is, uh, as it relates to the world, uh, Tunisia is one of the largest. Uh, producers, exporters mm-hmm. of olives uh, globally, wow. which is incredible. So we we enjoy the produce of Tunisia, many of us. Yeah. We have no clue where it's coming from. Right. I, I read today, so it's the largest exporter of organic olive oil. So not just, so they're one of the largest exporters of olive oil, but they are the largest for organic olive oil because they don't use a lot of, or any pesticides or or things like that in their olive trees. Right. Um, I guess they don't need to or have to or whatever, but so that makes their olive oil organic. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the whole production of olives in a place like that is incredible and their income from that. Uh, let me see if I um, I have this right, but uh, 800 and f- almost $850 million of income. Wow. Just from their olive production uh, annually, which is a massive benefit to their economy. Yeah. So uh, olives are a big deal. Yeah. You, you know what else I read today? I did research. Man, I'm are you loving this. I love this. So I also read. So they largely export to Italy and Spain. 
Right. And then what happens is ah, that's right. Italy and Spain, they repackage it and then they sell it under different brands. So you could be buying Tunisian olive oil under a different brand and never know it. That's right. Tunisian olive oil packaged in Spain. Yeah. Actually, I've seen that ha- that uh, that reality. So it's very true. So anyway, yeah. olives and by the way, like I've I've been to an olive um, oil press type of modern hmm. type of deal. And um, boy, they're very proud of their olive oil. And at the very end of the process where the oil, which is, you know, hasn't been filtered yet and all that kind of, it's just like raw oil. Uh, they'll shove a cup of, a small cup underneath the uh, the oil as it's flowing out, you know, offer it to you to drink. And so you take a big gulp of this olive oil. Um, yeah. Not something I want to do every day. However, it was kind of fun to do that that one time. So. Is it is it rich in like olive flavor? It's very rich in olive flavor. Interesting. And it's greasy. Because you know, when you cook with olive oil at home, it doesn't taste like olives necessarily. No. I don't know what they've done it's to it. It's probably been filtered and yeah. the processing that yeah. they go through. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I, it's quite a production. Because I personally love to cook with olive oil. Some people like butter or different oils. I like olive oil, yeah. but it doesn't have a large olive flavor. Right. So that's interesting that when yeah. they give it to you off the... Yeah, press it. it's it's very olivey. Anyway, all right, let's talk about one other uh, you know the uh, the produce of um, Tunisia, but that is the actual date. Yeah, what are we talking about when are we talking about dates? Well, I thought we were talking match dot com. <laughs> That's not where we're going. Oh, that is oh. not the date we're talking about, John. <laughs> we're talking about date palms and yeah. uh, trees that produce dates, um, which is incredible. Yeah, and that you know this is fascinating because um, I don't know what country people think of when they think of dates, um, but this is just based off a project I did in in uh, grade school, elementary school. But I now think of Saudi Arabia yes. as like a big date place. Yes. And you and I have traveled to places like Oman produces right. amazing dates. But I had no idea that um, actually Tunisia provides more dates than Saudi Arabia. Wow. Is that correct? I think that is correct. Yeah. Um, but that is a surprise based on the landmass of yeah, Saudi Arabia. At least exporting more. They export more dates. Right. Uh, than Saudi Arabia, which yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. I love the, actually, I, I love dates. I'm a lover of dates. Um, and so when we were down in Tozer in that, uh, that oasis, it's a date oasis. Um, we stopped along the side of the road. We, uh, bought a, uh, dates that were actually hanging right there in the store. They had just harvested them. Oh, it's nothing better. We bought those dates. And here's what people don't know about dates is like often when they harvest them, they're not the the dates that you get necessarily get in a grocery store. Uh, they're somewhat plump, mm. um, maybe yellowish, brownish, orange color when they harvest them. Um, they have a, a less sweet taste huh. um, because what happens with uh, a date is as it ages, it crystallizes and it becomes sweeter because it's more sugar. Once it's off the vine? Once, well, it's not a vine, the, or, the bunch, yeah. yeah After it's, it's cut from the palm tree itself, right. yeah, I guess not a vine, it begins yeah. to age, you know, right? Like it's oh. now begins to age and the longer it's kept, yeah. you know, like uh, I've been to uh, date stores in Oman and they sell it based on how old it is. So if you want... Um, a date that is really, really sweet, it's been aging for months. Yeah. And uh, it's more like a paste at that time versus mm-hmm. a an indi- individual fruit. Yeah. Um, 
And so the longer you keep it, the more it, uh, I guess, it ferments, it, it crystallizes, it becomes sugar. Mm. Uh, but dates then can be selected and kept until when you happen to like to eat them in the process of uh, it becoming more like sugar. And so dates are just fascinating to me. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah. it, we don't have anywhere like this in the U.S., I'm assuming, where you can go and just pick out by how old it is, yeah. but that'd be amazing if you could. So what's the consistency like? Cause I, the dates I've had are very, you said pasty. It's almost yeah. like that. It's almost like taffy yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So what's it like when it's fresh off the It's bunch? more like just in a single individual fruit where you're actually eating this, this seed, um, with flesh around it. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't feel as sweet. But it's, it's not just, bitter. It's not, it can be bitter if you do it too soon. Interesting. But, um, you know, we, we were sitting in Oman, if you remember. We yeah. were sitting in Oman. They went out and pulled some off the tree, shoved it on a, a, a bowl of ice just mm-hmm. to free, get them really cold, and then we ate them. And they were yeah. kind of crunchy, really, you know, yeah. good to the taste. I do remember but, that. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't, uh, you know, fermented to the time of uh, where they were actually just like sugar. Yeah. And so, by the way, what, what, that, what that reminds me of is met some friends there. Who have opened up a date factory hmm. employing women hmm. uh, who otherwise would not have jobs in Tozer, and um, and they're working, bringing in income for their family, and uh, their the dates that they process there are turned to date sugar, hmm. packaged, and now on the east coast of our country here, Whole Foods happen to be happens to be selling their date sugar. So that's wow. a big deal. So if you happen to go to Whole Foods, you see uh, date sugar from Tunisia, specifically Tozer, you are supporting women in that area who otherwise would not have a job if it were not for date sugar. Wow. So it's a great substitute for uh, the normal, regular cane sugar. I didn't know that. Yeah. I bet um, one of our trusty producers here can find a link to that and put it in the show notes. That would be awesome. I would love to see that. We will find out the name of that company. In fact, there's a website that they can go to and probably order it. In fact, I would love to see people rally around that cause and support uh, these people down in the desert of Tunisia who are working hard to provide a living for families there. That's cool. We're going to do that. Anyway, I think, I don't know, uh, anything else about uh, the good old country of Tunisia? Um, we could probably go on for days because it's one of our favorite places. It's, yeah. it's really good. You know, another quick thing I read, just as an aside, that the olive oil industry is 10% of the workforce. Oh, wow. That's pretty big. That's a big, that's I mean, a big that's, part of it. It gives you another glimpse of how large yeah. that industry is. So yeah. I think this is really fascinating. Yeah. And I don't know what we're looking at next month or what country we're going to look at next month, but um, I hope our listeners love this kind of stuff as yeah. much as you and I do. And yeah. And if you do get to travel there or if you find yourself at Whole Foods or I think I saw somewhere you can find... Uh, Tunisian olive oil on um, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like it just gives you a, a better appreciation for right. when you see these products out there and you kind of know where they came from. You can see, for example, this date sugar supporting women in the workforce in Tozer, Tunisia. Like that kind of stuff right. is just awesome. I yeah. love that. I think it's a good thing. And I think what this does, again, is where we began this, and that is it connects us to a people. Like Tunisia is a landmass. It has geographical boundaries, but it's about the people of that land. And knowing about their land and what their land produces tells us so much about the people who live there and uh, what historically has made them uh, who they are. And and so it's a good thing to begin practicing that kind of research, that kind of uh, looking at what a uh, country's all about, 
Um, and it's a good way for our families to learn. Uh, so I just, I, I, there's so much value in knowing, spending the time to know better a country so that we can know her people. Yeah. And that's what this is about. Yeah. So. I love it. All right. All right. Wrap us up. All right. Uh, this again is Think Global. And uh, to all of you out there on Think Global, what we are dedicated to is uh, meeting strangers who eventually become our friends and those friends who become our family. Until next time, uh, this is Tim Davis and Jonathan Smith. Uh, we'll talk to you again. 